Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Russ Cordell. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. It's a powerful day today. It's an awesome day today, and I'm going to sound like a broken record, but again, I say for the Christians following Jesus Christ, every day is Resurrection Day. We celebrate His resurrection every day of our lives, because without Him, we would not be here. Today, we celebrate that resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior. It's Easter time. It's springtime. The newness of life is all around us. The trees are beginning to blossom. The grass is beginning to green. Flowers are coming up. I saw beautiful uh, tulips and and other flowers on my way in this morning uh, to the church. Uh, This is the time of the year that that animals begin to fold and and, and have their young. It's just a time of newness and renewal. And uh, it is a beautiful time of the year. And this morning I want to talk to you today about newness of life. Newness of life. I'm going to take you back one chapter in the chapter of Matthew, chapter 27, and I'm going to take you to verse 50. Now, today is Resurrection Day, and I'm taking you just a couple of days backward for just a moment as I lay out the groundwork for newness of life. In Matthew, chapter 27, starting at verse 50, it says this, Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost, and behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent, and the graves were opened, and the many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection, and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. What an incredible, powerful statement, something that's not talked about very often. What an unusual statement. This is a reference. It's a referral back to the prophet Ezekiel, chapter 37 and 12. God said through the prophet Ezekiel, I will open your graves and cause you to come out of your graves. Why was this said at this time, at the time of Jesus' crucifixion, the time that he yielded up the ghost and he died? Folks, I believe that today is the day with everything that's happening in our world, with the challenges that we face, uh, the, the, the world literally brought to its knees over this current crisis. I believe that today is the day that we can look to walking into newness of life. Today is the day that your grave can be opened. You can walk out of your grave and you can partake of a resurrection of your very own today by taking hold of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and begin to walk in newness of life. I contend to you this morning that the crucifixion is a type and shadow. It is a pathway. It is a roadmap to our very salvation. The rocks were torn in two, it says. The earth shook and quaked. And I believe that the rocks breaking in two refers back to where the scripture talks of our stony hearts, the hearts that we have before our willingness to actually turn to God. We want to hold on to our lives. We want to live them the way that we want to live them according to our way. But at some point, this seed penetrates the stone of the heart and it splits in two and we had it modeled for us right there on Calvary, right on Golgotha. Those in the house this morning, you can be seated. When we're freed from our homes after this crisis ends, and it will end and we will be freed, 
it will be just like leaving the tomb. It will be our very own resurrection, perhaps an opportunity to start life afresh, to recognize the gift that we've been given, the opportunity that we've been able to see what life is like in these conditions, appreciate the ones that we have, the jobs that we have, the places that we can go, the family that we can gather together with, the brothers and sisters we don't talk to very often, the cousins and the nieces and the nephews and so on. Perhaps this is our opportunity for resurrection in our own lives. We need to walk in newness of life. Folks, we cannot be the same as we were when we went into the tomb before this crisis when we come out of this tomb. We've got to be different. There's something about what has happened to planet Earth in this situation that tells me that God is expecting us to transform, to walk into newness of life and be different than when we went into that tomb this morning. Jesus gave us the way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. I'm the pathway. He said, I'm not showing you the pathway. He said, I am the pathway. He said, I'm not going to tell you about the truth. He said, I am the truth. He said, I'm going to show you. I'm going to be the light. I'm not going to let you look for the light. I am the light to your pathway. I'd like you to open this morning uh, to the book of Romans, chapter 6. We're going to spend a little time in Romans 6 as we move around a little bit in some of the epistles. Keep your finger there, your bookmark there. Uh, But I want to start at Romans chapter 6, starting at uh, verse 1. And we're going to go through verse 4. It says this, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. Verse 4 says, therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into his death. That like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of God the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. We celebrate that raising today. Friday we got together, we had a wonderful communion service. Uh, It's a very solemn service, a time of reflection, a time of remembrance as we take of the elements, we break the bread, we take of the wine, uh, uh, remembering Jesus and the sacrifice that he was about to make. But there was a glorious day that was coming, a day where the earth would shake, a day where the stone would be rolled away, a day when the angels would appear before Mary and Mary Magdalene and declare, he's not here, he has risen. He's walking in newness of life. Pastor, what does newness of life mean? What what do you mean by that? What did Paul mean when he was writing to the Romans? Becoming a new person, different from what we were before, walking in newness of life. Continue in verse 5, it says, For we have been planted, that's buried or baptized, together in the likeness of his death. We shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Jesus modeled the way. The resurrection just wasn't something that happened. It just didn't stop there on Calvary. It was the beginning of a process that we live every single day of our lives. Those who follow Jesus Christ partake of that resurrection every single day. From the day that it happened till this day today. In Jesus' name. Verse 6, knowing this, that our old man, our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed 
from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. That's our promise. When Paul said, for he that is dead is freed from sin, he was referring to a time when slavery, when someone was enslaved at this time in history, they literally had to die to be freed. There was no freeing of the slaves. When you were a slave, you were a slave forever. And I'm telling you today that if you take a hold of Jesus Christ, if you hear this message and recognize that you don't have to be a slave forever to the sin and to the, what the world has delivered you, you can be freed from sin just as he promised if we live in him. Ephesians chapter 4 and 24 says it this way. Paul wrote to the Ephesians and he said, and that ye put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So there's some, there's some attachment to this process. There's, there's some requirement. It's not just a free process. It's not just an acknowledgement in our minds. Okay, Jesus died on the cross. I'm with him. I agree with that. I believe that. Thank you, Jesus, for that sacrifice. It doesn't stop there. It says, which after God is created in righteousness. The new man created in righteousness and true holiness. It's a renouncement against sin, and here's how you do it. In Colossians chapter 3, Paul wrote the letter to the Colossians. In chapter 3, starting at verse 8, it says this. It says, but now ye also put off all these. Now listen to the list. This is just the beginning of the list. There's more in scripture, trust me. But he said, put off all these. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. Verse 10, and have what? Put on the new man, walking in newness of life, getting away from a life drowning in sin. See, we have to understand that Christ's whole purpose, why he came, was to redeem his, his creation from the destructive and condemning effects of sin. You see, he gave us a choice. We're not robots. We're not androids created to worship him. You know, the angels were created as the purpose of worshiping him. They don't have a choice. They're servants of God. But he created us. He created us specifically to take a choice, to make a choice. He wanted his creation to love him and to serve him. And so we had the choice, and the choice was made. Flesh failed, and we gave in, and we became sin. But Jesus said, I have come that they might have life, and they might have it more abundantly, eternal life. He came to set the captives free, freed from sin, and to gain the promise of resurrection. You see, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, as I said, are the roadmap. It's a roadmap to this salvation message. Repentance is the first step in that. It models the death. It models what Jesus did. When the t from the time of the temple, when they would bring the sacrifice in and they would kill the animals and draw their blood for the sacrifice to be given uh, for their sins, it was a death to an animal. It, just in like manner, the Bible tells us that we die to our sins. When we make that repentant step, we sacrifice the old man. It's death to our old selves. It's a turning away from sin. Look back again in Romans chapter six. This time we're gonna go 
to verse 12. Verse 12 says this. It says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God for those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Now, if you skip down to verse 22, it says, but now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness. Now, there's what you're bearing, what you're showing, how you're behaving. You have your fruit unto holiness, good behavior, proper behavior. And the end, what's the end? Everlasting life. In verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The crucifixion models that repentance. It models that death, that sacrifice that was done. Jesus was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He was the lamb, that that same lamb just on the night of Passover when they had to crucify that lamb and take its blood and put it on the the doorpost and the lintels of their doors. Why is that? Imagine uh, on one lintel this way and one lintel this way and one lintel back up here. It was a model of the very cross that we hang on our wall and honor God with. One bloody hand over here one bloody hand over here a nail pierced head leaning back against that wood those were the lintels that was the doorpost of our homes the crucifixion models repentance he had to die for our sins we have to die for our sins spiritually speaking his burial that very same day thank God it was on the day of Passover it was on a Friday the night before Uh, the Sabbath. They didn't want to be messing around with this stuff on the Sabbath. It was wrong. They still believed in the law. They couldn't do things like this on the Sabbath. So much so that they were going to go and they were going to break Jesus' legs and the legs of the two thieves hanging on the cross next to him. They were going to break their legs. Why were they going to do that? If their legs were broken, they couldn't hold themselves up anymore and they would sag amongst the weight of their body and they would suffocate from the crushing power on their chests and on, on their lungs. But the Bible says that his bones, the prophecy he said his bones would not be broken. And so they had recognized it, it looked that he'd already passed away and they approached him with a spear in their hands and they pierced his side. And out of that side flowed water and blood. Water and blood, the model for baptism that we have today. The Bible says we're to be, we're to be put down in burial and baptism with them. That we're to be washed in the blood of the lamb. Our robes made white as snow in that blood as it poured out of his side signifying the salvation method. We are buried with him in baptism. But Romans 6, and uh, going back one more time to 6, 3, and 7, I want to I reiterate it. Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized unto his death. In other words, just like he died, we repent and we die. We can't walk around like corpses, like the walking dead. We've got to bury this old man. It's got to go down into the burial. And that burial is the baptism waters. It says in verse 4, Therefore we are buried with him in baptism, into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of God, even so we should walk in newness of life. If we repent, 
if we die to ourselves, if we bury that old man under the waters of, of baptism, we have the promise of the glory, the promise of the resurrection just as he had it. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. First Peter chapter 3 and 21 tells us that the like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh. You're not taking a bath. It's not a symbolic gesture, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Just like Jesus rising from the grave, coming up out of the waters of baptism. When you come up out of that water, it's a resurrection. It's your resurrection. Many of you may not realize, and this might throw some of your doctrine off just a little bit. I might unsettle a couple of folks. But do you know that you have two resurrections waiting for you when you turn your life over to God? That's right, two resurrections. The first resurrection is when you come out of that water. When you step up out of that water of baptism and you become a new person, you begin walking in newness of life. You have a whole new life waiting before you. Your second resurrection comes later, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. The first resurrection, too many Christians, too many philosophies get people stuck on the crucified part of the Easter story. They focus solely on the crucified life, but they leave out and forget the resurrection life. In other words, the repentance part, we say a prayer or, or we repent, we acknowledge God, we, we take that step, we come up, we say some words, we give over to him, we make him our savior, but they lose the resurrection part. They've left out the part where you've got to bury that old man, that dead man's got to be put into the water. They, they leave out the part about walking in newness of life, not just dying to be Christian, uh, 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 but, uh, but living as Christ. Paul said it very plainly. He said to live is Christ and to die is gain. We must live Christ in action, not just words. It can't just be a gesture. It's got to be an every single day sacrificial time living for Jesus. The book of Philippians says it's not for us to believe only, but to suffer with Christ. That simply means that it's going to take some challenge. It's difficult to live this life for God. It's difficult to turn away those temptations and not indulge in the things that make our flesh feel good, the things that life delivers us that we enjoy so much. It's, it's remarkable to me how much people want to hang on to those things. Well, I, I enjoy uh, uh, you know, partying down big time, but boy, is that hangover a pain. And I enjoy the things that I do uh, outside uh, living uh, for my flesh, but the, the, the recompense, the damage we do to our bodies, the things that we do in drugs and alcohol and, and, and lascivious living, these things that bring us terrible effects to our body, people want to hang on to that. It's not necessary. Resurrection literally means raising up or rising up. It's from the Greek word anastasis. In the verb form, it means to cause, to stand or rise up, to raise from sleep or from the dead. As I said, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection are a model for us to follow completely in every facet in order to obtain the full promise. Now let's talk about the second re uh, resurrection. 
In Romans chapter 8 and 11, it says, But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Paul's talking to the Romans, saved Christians. He's telling them that you must have the Holy Ghost within you in order for your mortal bodies to be quickened. I've talked to many folks that said, I feel I've got the Spirit on me. I've felt his presence. When I prayed to God, I felt his presence. That's a wonderful thing. That's a great step. It's a wonderful thing to feel the presence of God, to give that repentance to him, to give him that, that wonderful sacrifice to him and feel his presence. But folks, I'm telling you, it's not not the final step. It's not what it's all about. We need to be filled with the Holy Ghost as the word says. Look at what God said through the prophet Ezekiel in chapter 36 starting at verse 26. It says, a new heart also will I give you and what? A new spirit will I put within you and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you, within you. There's another step to that, and we're going to talk about that in just a moment. I want to talk to you about his voice, the call to your second resurrection. In John chapter 5, in verse 28, it says, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice and shall come forth, they that have done good unto the resurrection of life and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. You see, there's even a resurrection for those who maybe haven't followed Christ, who haven't given their lives to him. There's a resurrection for them as well. John's, Jesus' words are very clear. A resurrection of life or a resurrection of damnation. Jesus is referencing the prophet Daniel in chapter 12 in one, where he said, the prophet Daniel speaking for God said, and at the time shall Michael stand up. Michael is the archangel. The great prince with prince withstanded for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble. This is a reference, a type and shadow uh, of the time of tribulation, the end time period, such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. And at that time, thy people shall be delivered. Everyone that shall be found written in the book. This is a reference to the book of life, the book that Jesus writes your name in when you partake of his salvation message. It's referenced in Revelations chapter 20 and 21. Michael is the archangel, the archangel that blows the trumpet. The great tribulation begins. Notice it says, at that time, thy people shall be delivered. Uh, going on into the second verse, it says, And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth, sleep meaning dead, they've died, they've been buried, of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars ever, uh, forever and ever. That line in that prophecy, they that turn many to righteousness, shall shine like stars forever and ever. Folks, that is our job, that is our duty, that's what we do, that's what we as pastors and ministers do. We have to turn many to righteousness. Well, what does that mean? Why do they have to be turned? Well, obviously it means that there are many that are not in righteousness. Some shall be called up from the dust to everlasting life and some 
to everlasting contempt. That word contempt means pain, sorrow, destruction. I'm going to close this message this morning. Hopefully I've made my point and, and it's clear that newness of life and what it means. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, starting at verse 13, it says this. It says, but I would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, meaning those that have passed, those that have died, that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, the very celebration we're making today, even so them also which sleep in Jesus uh, will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. In other words, we won't be before them. The dead in Christ will rise first, and they that are alive and remain shall meet him. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. In the book of Acts chapter 2, the book immediately following the Gospels, the book immediately following the ascension of Christ. When he rose on this Sunday, he didn't just go straight to heaven. He dwelt with the apostles. He, he met with them. He revisited them multiple times. But he promised them something. He promised them that if they go into Jerusalem and then they tarry and they wait in, in, in that upper room, if they wait at the temple in Jerusalem, on the day of Pentecost, he chose. He chose to come back. He didn't give them a time. He didn't tell them specifically. He said, go and wait. See, they were told to be prepared. The Bible tells us that no one knows the day or the hour when Jesus will return. That we have to be ready at all times. We have to be ready for whenever he comes. I'm not prophet saying, I'm not doom saying that this COVID virus thing is the beginning of the end times. I don't know that. I don't know that this is the first thing that's going to happen in a series of many. But I, what I do know today, that in an unprecedented way across planet Earth, on a day like Easter Sunday, a day when more people attend services than any other time of the year, this word is being broadcast all over planet Earth in a greater number than we've ever seen in the history of mankind. Jesus told those, those, those Jews to go into Jerusalem, wait and be ready. He promised them, I'm going to return in the form of the Comforter. The Holy Ghost will come. And the Bible says as they waited there and they prayed and they were living earnestly, seeking him, praying for his, his, his return, praying for this spirit that he promised. The Bible says that a rushing mighty wind blew into that room and sat upon them like clothes of tongues of fire. And they began to speak with tongues as the spirit gave them utterance. The people in Jerusalem witnessed this event in Acts chapter 2. This whole thing was going on on a day we call the day of Pentecost. Uh, 50 days after the day of Passover, a special feast day that the Jews all celebrated. As a matter of fact, it's likely that more Jews were in Jerusalem praying and surrounding the temple than any other time in history. At that time, any other time of the year. 
And they heard this great cacophony of worship in tongues and they begin to question, what's going on here? What's wrong with these people? Are they drunk? They're speaking these odd words? And Peter, the apostle who denied Christ but became the first to stand up and recognize that he was the Christ, the son of the living God. Peter stands up, the man with the keys to the kingdom of heaven, as it says in Matthew chapter 16. Peter stood up and he said, no, they're not drunk as you suppose. It's the ninth hour of the day. Excuse me, the third hour of the day. It was nine o'clock in the morning on the Jewish clock. They weren't drunk as you suppose. They're full of the Holy Ghost. Jesus began to preach the message to them of condemnation for their actions, but not a message to condemn them, condemn their actions. He began to preach, and they began to feel pricked in their hearts. Their conscience were being pricked and burned because they realized that they had crucified and destroyed the Son of the living God, the Savior, Jesus Christ. And as they began to feel that on their shoulders, they began to feel it in their hearts. The Bible says literally they were pricked in their hearts. As they felt it, they reached out to Peter and and, and the apostles that were there. They said, men and brethren, what should we do? In other words, how do we save ourselves from this horrendous mistake that we've lived? This horrendous thing that we did, this sin that we caused against God. And Peter's answer in Acts chapter 2 and 38 was simply this. He said, repent. Repent. That's that word I talked to you about before. Repent. Turning away. Leaving the old man behind. Kill that old person. Kill that old sinful person. Repent. And be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of your sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You see, Peter knew the crucifixion story. He understood what Jesus was modeling. He simply told him the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Repentance baptism and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says it's the Spirit, as I mentioned, that will quicken your mortal bodies. At the time of His return, the Spirit within us will literally transform. That's what the word quicken means. It will transform your mortal bodies so that when Jesus wants to pull His Spirit out of this world, you're going to be attached to it. But you've got to have it within you. It's got to be inside you. And so today, I call out to my friends that are watching today, my family, neighbors, loved ones. Today's the day to begin to walk in newness of life. Why don't we stand in the house this morning as we go to God in prayer. I'm going to pray for you this morning and you can lift up your hands with us. Those in the house will be lifting up their hands. We're going to pray. We're going to pray for all those that have heard the word today. Pray for ourselves. God, right now in Jesus' name. Lord, there's many souls across this world. Some of them are watching this broadcast right now. Lord, they've heard your word. That seed has been planted in their heart. They're feeling something inside right now. They're hearing this word about repentance. They know they haven't fully given their lives to you, Jesus. But God, right now, they're reaching out to you. And Lord, right now, I'm asking you, in your precious name, begin to surround those people with your presence. Let them feel that same thing that those souls were feeling on Pentecost Day as they began to to reach out to Peter and ask him, what do we do to be saved? What should we do? God, lead them to a place of repentance. What is it? What is it, pastor? What is repentance? It's that time when you finally say once and for all, God, forgive me. God, take away these things that I've done in my life. I've made so many mistakes. I've hurt so many people. I've hurt myself. I've been displeasing to you. God, just take it away from me. God, I ask you forgiveness right now. Cleanse my heart. Cleanse my soul. 
Friend, I want to tell you that when you do that, the Word tells us He promises that He's good and faithful to forgive you. He'll blot that stuff out. That's your old man. That's the dead person in you. When you raise your hands and ask for that forgiveness, that's that first step. But you've got to bury that old man. You've got to bury that dead carcass. You can't walk around a corpse. You've got to get rid of that thing. And just as Jesus died on the cross, and we liken our baptism to his burial, you've got to be buried in the waters of baptism. That's available here at Abundant Life. I know we're under restrictions. I know we've got to be careful. I know that there's things that we have to do. But now is the time to begin walking in newness of life. If you so desire, reach out to the church. Contact us. Contact anyone that you know in the church. And we can arrange that time to baptize you. We have a nice warm baptismal. It's very comfortable. We'll privately bring you in and have that time where you can bury that old man. And then you begin the journey to receive his spirit within you. We're praying for you right now in Jesus' name. Jesus' name again. Lord, thank you, God, for your resurrection. Thank you, God, for the sacrifice that you made on Calvary. Lord, for every soul that's out there right now raising their hands, speaking perhaps under their breath, maybe afraid to talk in front of family or relatives, but in their mind and in their hearts, maybe quietly under their breath, they're saying, God, forgive me. God, forgive me. I want to change. I want to be different. I want to partake of your your resurrection, God. I don't want to be lost. I don't want to end up, Lord, lost. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.